So then I was like, what can I do now to get my mind right? Like I was playing pickleball and like swimming and that's all I was doing. And I was like, all right, like let's work. Welcome back to How the Story Goes. I'm your host, Jackson Neal. Today's guest is music photographer Matt DiMarino, aka Matt DeEdits. Hey, my name is Matt DeEdits. I'm a music photographer, videographer based in Philadelphia. And if there's one thing you need to know about him, it's that his work ethic is unmatched. He's a full-time student with a job, internship, and this passion for taking pictures. And even though he's only been doing this for a couple years now, he's already taken pictures for some big names like AJR, Amine, and even that one time he found himself at Lil Mosey's birthday party taking pics of Mosey and Trippy Red. He tells us all about that night and other wild experiences as a music photographer. This is Matt Edit's story. Where are you, where are you from, Matt? So I'm from Ocean City, New Jersey. I um, went to high school with you. I think you were, what, a year behind me? Yeah, we've known each other for, for a little bit now, so this is a fun interview to do. Where, where do you go to college? So I go to Drexel uh, in Philadelphia. I started at community college for a year at ACCC, transferred to Drexel because I needed to get my grades up. Why did you go to Drexel? What, what about Drexel and Philadelphia maybe attracted you? Um, so I really wanted to be like sports oriented. Um, obviously, we got the Flyers, Phillies, Eagles. Philadelphia was really cool because obviously we're from the beach. So I wanted either something close to home because you know what you can come back to. But I love the hustle of Philly um, and obviously love it even more now because I've done it and I still do it. So I think the biggest thing, though, with Drexel was their co-op opportunity for me, especially not really liking school, the ability to work for six months and not do any classes and still count for curriculum was probably one of the biggest attractions to Drexel for me. So this co-op program, so what are you, what are you specifically studying? So I'm in the film program, um, but what they do is they build out our curriculum because we're quarter system. So we'll go to school all year round, except for our freshman summer. So we'll do classes in the summers of our sophomore and senior year to make up for the six months that you can do just work. So right now I'm on co-op. It's like either winter or fall, winter or spring, summer. Um, and then you'll find an internship anywhere in the country or the world. Pandemic was a little bit tougher for that, but you can fully focus on that. You can take up to four credits for free also while you're on internship. But for me, I needed that break, uh, especially now with online schooling. It was tough for me. So I was pretty blessed to uh, get a good internship. So where's your internship at? Where are you working at? So I'm currently working with the American Junior Golf Association. Uh, we're based down in Brasselton, Georgia. So for the past four weeks, uh, we've been traveling through the East Coast, putting on junior golf events for any of the juniors that are willing to travel. Um, there's kids from Guatemala, Florida, Hawaii. This is the largest junior golf tour uh, in the country. So it's been pretty cool. We get a truck and a trailer, actually two pickup trucks. We're in teams of four, but one team of eight total. We had two stops in North Carolina. Then we went down to Florida, Tennessee. We're in North Carolina now. The girls are up in Pennsylvania. And then we go to Wisconsin then back down to Georgia, and then I fly home and do beach patrol this summer. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm gonna, we'll, we'll get back to that a little bit later, I think, in the interview. But right now, I want to know a little bit about your start. So photography, what got you interested in that? When did you get your start in that specifically? Probably senior year of high school, I took Mr. Wielden's TV media class. I picked up a camera and was like, well, you know, I'm not really a math kid, not really English. What can I do that 
can cater to my assets and something that I want to do and could maybe do really well in. So I decided to do, I think I did like a couple of football edits for the high school. Then after that, I kind of just fell in love with the process of one, doing his class, but then finding time during the day to edit. I didn't really skip many classes, but there are some times that I made, you know, Mr. Wilden be like, hey, can you slip me a note just so I can go edit? So that's been pretty cool. And then after that, I really got into surfing photography, doing my friends like Mason Henry. And I moved to Rob Kelly. Then after that, I got to Drexel and I went to a couple concerts and I was in GA, which is like general admission in the back. You know, you're spending like $60 on a concert. And I was like, you know, these are people that I really like. Like, how can I get closer? So we had like this uh, temple probably has the same thing, but it's called like Drexel Dragonfly, where your university would make a concert and they'd bring in artists. So we had a Mine and I actually sent a DM to Nico Oso, who was one of the opener student DJs. I had no idea who he was. I had no idea, but no idea at Drexel, like what connections I could make. But I did know that they had the equipment room. So for the equipment room, I didn't really have a camera coming into Drexel, but I knew that we could rent out those cameras for free. So what I would say is I'd, I'd like rent out something for like a class project, but it was just for like this concert specifically. So I got a lens and I just sent Nico a DM and said, hey, man, like I don't have any portfolio work, but like give me a chance. So Nico took a chance on me. I shot Dragonfly for Amine and Nico. Then after that, you know, I was only 18 at the time. So he was like, hey, man, like, let's go to the nightclub. And I was like freaking out because, you know, I didn't have a fake. I didn't really know like what to really do or like how I could get in. And once he told me, you know, he's like, dude, like you're good. And little did I know about Nico. I mean, Nico runs Philly. I mean, anybody that knows nightlife or radio in Philly knows Nico um, from Q102 to Weston Down, Vesper, Noto. I mean, you name it, he's there. Um, he really took me under his wing. And then that's how I worked in the Weston down, which was, you know, super huge. Thank you, David, and everybody else there. And then through there, I just kind of networked, connected the dots and took down everybody's contact information that I could. Walked in with a camera, you know, through working as like a bar back in Weston down is how I saved enough money to get the camera that I have now. So it's been really fun to watch that process. And then obviously the pandemic happening didn't really help, but those connections, thank God, were so well established for me anyway, that when I go back, hopefully going to hit the ground running and reconnect with everybody. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a really, really cool story. So like, take me to that, that dragonfly that, you know, that Drexel dragonfly, that thing that that first concert you shot for Nico and also Amine, what did you learn from that first experience? I think the biggest thing I learned was more about myself and my hustle, not really going to many concerts when I was younger. I didn't really go to like BB and T like, you know, everybody does. They'll grab a Jitney from home and drive up to Camden or whatever the Met or the Man Center, I think. For me, it was really cool to see like, these people are just like us, right? These artists are just like us. They have a little bit more money, a lot more clout. But the coolest thing I think that I learned was if you apply yourself and once people take a chance on you, you take that opportunity, you run with it and you work even harder to either get them their photos edited faster. I mean, most of the time, just showing that you're genuine and just being your real self, it sounds silly, but especially with Nico, I mean, or Amine. I mean, they could work with so many photographers, right? You've obviously done enough to get into that room. Once you can get into the room, then you realize what you have to do to stay, right? If you're just genuine, you're chill and you take like the status out of it and you just talk to them like I'm talking to you. I mean, you'll get so much more respect. I think that that was the biggest eye-opening thing to me was like, yeah, nobody else knows that you don't belong. And as long as you do good work, especially after that one concert, I was addicted to like, who else can I get? You mentioned there at the end that like once you got that first taste of a concert, you were just like addicted. What's that feeling like when you're like shooting a concert, when you're taking photographs during a concert? Oh, wow. Now I think it's more so like how can I respect all the other photographers, right? So when you go and you're in these photo pits, you obviously know who's traveling with them. 
So whether it's Austin Rella with AJR, for example, you learn to respect them because they're going to respect you. So the way that it works is you get a wristband and then you're in the pit for like the first three songs. The biggest lesson I think I could also give is security is your best friend. They're the only people that are going to kick you out. As long as you don't bring a flash and you can kind of keep to yourself, you can walk in and out of that pit more than what you would think for those first 15 minutes, as long as like you do like the littlest things, right? So I think I shot AGR for the first time at the Met, which is one of the biggest music venues in Philly. And I was like, I only had a pass to shoot for Flora Cash, who opened for them. So I was like, what can I do to stay for AGR in the pit? Because I know I need photos for them. So I brought extra um, like ear protection. I had like extra water bottles of granola bar. And literally, as soon as I walked in, I got there like 30 minutes early. I knew the security that was at the entrance to the pit, which is in between like the stage and then the crowd. There's that little narrow gap. And I just talked to him for about 20 minutes. I offered him a water, showed him I was genuine because when the uh, like the tour managers come around and be like, okay, like you guys got to go. He said like, now this guy's cool. I don't know whether it was I was in-house or he maybe made it sound like I was in-house for Live Nation. That was probably the coolest thing for me. It was just like a little bit of generosity. And then again, just showing your genuine to the security people who are just like you can just take you so much further. That's such a cool story too. Like just water bottles, granola bars, ear protection, those little things like really do add up. Yeah, they do. So you said back in high school, you were filming more for like football games. And now, you know, we're talking about this, you're filming, you're doing a shooting concerts, you're getting pictures of concerts and like with musicians. What inspired that change, I guess, more to the music side of things? Yeah. So I think for me, especially like when you're at Ocean City, I mean, you know, as well as I do, like you are what your environment is, right? Surfing and sports was all that we really had to offer. I mean, skating too, but I wasn't really in that scene. And I think when I got into Drexel, like I'm not really big of a partier kind of kid. I don't really like to go out. Like I'd rather go hustle, make money on the weekends, work at a bar. I know it sounds like, oh, like you probably like to party. But when you take into account, like you can still now since 21, like drink with your friends, but still get paid for it. I think for me that that's the bigger thing. But I don't think the switch was more so like I'm going to get out of sports now. Like, again, when I'm in my environment in Philly, Drexel is now a football team. We have a really good basketball team. And some of them, like they're my closest friends basketball wise because they come into Weston a lot. I think with music, I got more of an instant gratification out of it because I was shooting with, you know, loud luxury and everybody that I was like, oh, like if they posted my picture, like I'd be stoked. But if I did that in sports realm, like at the collegiate level kind of thing, I didn't think I saw the return on it. And I knew that I wasn't going to get paid nearly the amount of money shooting a sporting event for Drexel because it'd probably be free than doing photos at like a nightclub and making money, right? Obviously, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday nights. So I think that's why I really changed. And then I really took on to it after I figured out how much money you can make. What was that moment like when you decided like, okay, this is like something I really want to take. I really want to like continue doing. I really want to commit to this concert photography. What was that moment like? I think the moment was... YouTube. And I know it sounds funny, but at first I wasn't getting many gigs. And I was like, let me look up YouTube and be like, how can I shoot Lil Baby? Or how can I shoot Tuvlo? Like craziest people that you just look online and people have already figured it out for you. You just now have to apply it, tweak it, and then make it your own. So I'd look up like an email template for reaching out to a tour manager. And then I'd fix it because my cousin Tyler Monastero helped me out with getting me started with House of Hearts, which is one of the biggest promoters in Philly, we promote for Live Nation. So once I figured out like, okay, so I got an email from them, Matt D at houseofhearts.org. And I was like, okay, like now I sound more official. So like, like I'd come home on a Friday night and I'd like, look at that. And I'd send out 50 emails, right? People were like, oh, like come party, come to this rap party. I was like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like I was so driven in seeing the results because I knew once I got that show, 
that was like the high for me, right? Being in the stage and like people being like, oh, like that's who it is. And like, yeah, you'd be like joking and be like, yeah, you're like, I'm going to go like to New York with them next week. And like people, nobody else knows that, but they don't need to, you know what I mean? Because you only talk to them for a certain amount of time and then you dip. So I think YouTube and finding out, you know, how can you make yourself sound more professional? And then as soon as I really got my momentum going with my portfolio, my style of work and how fast I could turn around these edits is what I think made me hit that point of like, okay, now this is something that I'm trying to chase. Where does that drive come from? I mean, that sounds something, not a lot of people have that, like you said, like to sit on a Friday night and send 50 emails. Have you always had that drive? Where does that come Mm -hmm. from? I definitely think community college in Atlantic City at ACCC. I was trying to get my grades up. I had all A's transferring into Drexel, obviously, because I needed a scholarship because Drexel is expensive. I didn't apply myself senior year of high school. I kind of like messed around like everybody else did, right? You had no idea what you wanted to do. And then once I figured out like, okay, I got out of that situation, transferred to Drexel. I was going to go to Montclair for swimming D3. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. So then that's why I did community college. And you know what it's like when you do community college at home, right? There's only, there's like three ways that you could really go out. You can either do like do it and transfer, which is goal A. You could get stuck and then work somewhere else, which is still not a bad gig. But you like, I didn't want to get stuck in the Ocean City cycle. Mm-hmm. I want, and then there's nothing wrong with that at all. I don't mean to talk that down or didn't mean for it to come out that way. But I knew that I wanted to go and see what other opportunities I had because like, you know what it's like at home, you know what you could really do. And, you know, there's a couple of business opportunities everywhere. So once I figured out that that drive could propel me into Drexel, I think the most satisfaction of looking back 2020 and being like, okay, so like I met David at Weston down and through him, he let me work at Noda, which is the only real big nightlife venue in Philly that'll bring in the Martin Garrix's little babies, young miles of the world. So I think for me, the satisfaction of looking back and being connecting the dots for myself and being like, dude, you've only done it three months and you're finally connecting the dots. And I don't mean to sound that sound cocky. I mean, it sound like my head was more dedicated during that than anything because I was still doing a full class load. So I'd work at Weston down to go in at like four in the afternoon for like bar backing and stocking the shelves work that night. I had an 8 a.m. class on Thursday, wake up, go to class, sleep, then Friday, do the same thing. Friday be my rest day afterwards because then i know i could nap until five when i had to go into weston and work friday night saturday night so i think for me like i was better on a schedule and i think i learned very quickly who's there for you because the people that i thought were my friends at the parties that i went to like everybody did their first week you know and learn quickly that they're not you know they're all like freshmen you're all trying to learn your way and i felt the more genuine people were the older ones that were working at the nightclub and that's why i gravitated i think to keeping that drive to meet those genuine people no, exactly. You're so right. The one thing I wanted to get back to, this was it, was you mentioned looking back at your 2020 and saying, okay, I did this. I was able to accomplish this only in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Do you find that mm-hmm. helps you continue to drive you forward? Does it take that second and say, look what, I've, look what I've done. Now let's go do even better. Yeah. Like everybody else, especially creative wise, the pandemic really allowed you to, whether it's hone in on skills that you've been wanting to practice, but I mean, you're getting caught up in the I need to go to do this job to go pay rent. And now when you were stopped, I mean, like you said, that reflection of what was it four months? It felt like before I know I got home to ocean city and then did summer wise. But I think that break as tough as it was, I think for me, that was one of the greatest things that I could have had. Again, I think self-reflection is always important, but I don't think you really truly get the time to do that unless complications from the outside world are now pushing you to do it. 
a global pandemic is really good outside pressure to, to help you sit down and yeah. reflect. I'm, right. interested in, I'm interested in how you describe this. How do you, how would you describe your editing style? Ooh, that's a good one, Jackson. I, I would say that my style is as true to life as it can be. I don't like doing many staged photos. I don't like many. I, I feel like it just never comes off like genuine for me. I feel like I need to do something that's raw and in the moment. And yeah, you could pose a couple pictures here and there. But my editing style, you know, there's no funky colors. I like blacks. And I like my tones. But I think my style is as true to what the actual recap was or whatever I'm doing. Cause like with sports, right. You have one moment usually, right. Whether it's like they're hitting or doing like a slap shot in hockey, you can't make them be like, Oh, Hey, like, can you redo that? You're in the middle of a game. So I think for me, like that was the coolest thing and toughest lesson to learn was like then how to stage shoots because people would book me and I'd be like, well, you know, my buddy chase would know how to do it better than me because they've had the practice. But for me, I'd be like, okay, like, let's go just, do you doing you and then I'll work around that. So I think for me, naturalistic is how I'd definitely describe it. I definitely would think that that's an accurate way to describe it. Looking at your pictures, I feel like I'm in that moment. And it, you're right. It doesn't get overpowered by other colors or other tones. It's like, it's really like, that is what that person looked like in that moment. And it's almost like I'm there. I'm seeing it for the first, like yeah. seeing it for that time as well. Yep. And that's the, exactly the emotion that I'm trying to convey because everybody wants to feel included, right? You want to feel, especially with vlogging now on youtube or everything else and you watch enough that you feel like you're a part of their life essentially but like if you weren't at that party i want to make you feel like you're at that party without being like hey look what i did you know what i mean and i think i i mean i fully immerse myself like if it's in the pit or we're like doing mosh pits like i'm in there you know what i mean because i want to get and emulate that feeling that i had how do you immerse yourself in that pit how do you immerse yourself in that party or wherever you're at and then like, like do you like think of certain things is there certain like things you do to, to feel like oh i'm immersed i'm really in this moment so I think for me, how I like immersify myself is I do probably every single shoot sober. I don't like drinking and then trying to work. So I think that helps a lot because you're now going to notice those little details that other people probably won't. I love to do shots where like if we're in the nightclub and like David at Weston out, for example, if he brings out like the foam gun or whatever, the I don't know what it's called. The CO2 tank. That's what it is. CO2 gun. Like I know, like I'm right there. And then you just get the general reactions because nobody really expects it. It's tough because when you're doing a lot of the concerts, you got to guess a lot of the time because you don't really know whether it's like pyrotechnics. Like you don't have that print sheet. You got to listen to the music. A lot of the stuff I do is EDM. So you can tell like at the drop, probably they're going to do something sick or they're going to probably jump off the stage. And I think you just run and you guess. At least you'll get one of those moments. Again, like I was saying earlier, you just keep it as real as you can. And if you get the moment, you get the moment, and then I'm stoked. I want to go to something specific now. Uh, looking through your Instagram, you know, looking at all these pictures, they all look really cool. There's this one trip to Miami, it looks like you took, where I saw a lot of big names. You're taking pictures of them. Tell me the story behind that. What was that? So the story of how Miami came about. So we were in quarantine. I was talking to this girl from August to about January. And we were in Florida at Naples because we wanted to, like, rent a house and get out of Ocean City. Um, and then do like online classes down there. So I was talking to this girl, you know, it was, it was tough. Cause I didn't see, I was only supposed to stay here till January, but then we didn't, we stayed till February. She was like getting bummed. Like, Oh, like, why don't you coming home? Whatever. And I was like, all right. So I told my parents that I was going to go home to Drexel to grab camera equipment. And I was going to just like, go hang out with this girl that I was talking to and like, try to figure out like, if there's something there to date, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't really date around. So like, for me, like that was pretty serious, whatever. So 
I get on the plane, right? And my parents are like, oh, like you're gonna go pick your camera stuff up. I'm like, yeah, I will, whatever. So then I go on the plane and I put my like my bag in my overhead, right? And she sends me like this text and she's like, hey, like, thanks, Matt, for everything. But like, hey, like, I think I'm good. I'm done. I was on the plane and I was like, well, okay. So now in my head, I'm like, I'm either gonna go home and quarantine by myself, or I tell my parents, like, come pick me back up. So they come pick me back up, whatever. I tell them the story. They're like, okay, like lesson learned, you know, don't like lie. That's, that's the only thing I can say is like, don't lie. But I didn't, I was in a tough spot because I wanted to make sure I could get home to then figure it out with her. You know what I mean? So then I was like trying to get over it and it felt like a breakup. Like we weren't dating, but like you talk to somebody every day, especially in quarantine, FaceTime, everything. Like you get to that certain level where you're like, all right, like you're attached. Right. So things end and I'm like, all right, I don't believe in like being petty. Like I'll take the mature approach out. Like if we're done, like we're done. Like, I'm not going to talk to you again. Like I'll take the mature approach and dip. So then I was like, what can I do now to get my mind right? Like I was playing pickleball and like swimming and that's all I was doing. And I was like, all right, like let's work. Like let's tap in. So the story of how Miami came about was my buddy Tiz, uh, the influence. He is from Temple he graduated. Um, he's now the tour DJ for King Combs, which is Diddy's son and Little Mosey. So he's, I think, 103.9. He's a DJ for that radio station in Philly. Um, and he's now in Miami or now in LA. So I saw him put on a story like, hey, we're in Miami. Photographers get at me, whatever. And I was like, okay, sick. So I was going to link up with him. I sent him a DM and I was like, hey, man, I know you probably don't remember me, but how I met Tiz really quick was that December, the past December, he was doing 103.9 at Noto nightclub for young ma. He was opening up for her. So Tiz is DJing and, you know, he orders a Popeye's chicken sandwich. So he was next to be on deck and like me being me, I didn't know who he was. I had no idea. I was like, you know, he's probably just an opener or whatever. So he's like, Oh man, like I really need my chicken sandwich from DoorDash. So I was like, I'll grab it for you. Run outside of Noto, grab the sandwich for him give it to him. And then he was hyped and I grabbed his phone number and I never thought I'd see him again, but I still had his phone number, but haven't talked to him until I sent him that DM like five months now we're in Miami. Right. So I sent him that and I sent him the picture. Cause I was like, I never texted him since that day. And he's like, yeah, man, like I had you tapped in, like you're a genuine dude, like pull up to this address tomorrow. So I saw in their story, I saw what he was doing the day before he sent me to come down. Cause it was like in the afternoon, he little Mosey and smoke perp were on a yacht. So for me, I was like, oh, sick. Like, you know, he's still with them probably because he's a tour DJ. I had no idea it was Mosey's birthday. So I drive there the next day. I pick him up from the boat because they stayed over there overnight. You know, you make a connection and you're just like, this feels legit. You know what I mean? Like with Tiz, like it felt real. So we pick him up and I was like, hey, man, like, you know, what are we going to do? And he was like, well, it's little Mosey's birthday. And I was like, tripping out. You know what I mean? I was like, I knew Blueberry Fago noticed, like fast forward. We pick him up. We pick up these two other girls that, that he was with and we go to this arsenal Miami, like underground, super cool. It's like a car dealership with a submarine, but sells clothing. It's kind of like the new off-white that's up and coming. Like their sweatshirts are around like 250, 300. So we go there, Tiz is there and we meet like Prince D Lee, which is one of his boys that is a designer there. It's pretty cool. So we do that. Then we go to the Airbnb. That was for Lil Moses' birthday at night. Like I'm freaking out. I'm driving my mom's Kia. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, well, Mosey or, and Tiz are in, or I mean, I only drove Tiz actually. I'm going to correct that right now. Tiz and his boys and the two girls were in my Kia. We drove to the Airbnb. Like Tiz is making phone calls because he's DJing tonight for the party. We get there at like four, like we check in. Keep in mind at this point, like I left at like 5 a.m. to get there at like seven because he told me to be there at 740. We're getting some stuff ready and I meet Cisco 
and Malik, who are Mosey's tour managers. Remember back to what I was saying with Weston down, like I got myself into the room. How can I make myself the biggest asset to be like, this kid's cool. Obviously meet a security first, be like, I'm not a threat. You know what I mean? I'm just here for photos. There's a Winn-Dixie down the road. And I was like, how can I get Malik and Cisco's number? Because if I only meet him for this night, how can I think longevity, right? Long-term and like tap in with them later. So I didn't want to be like, hey man, like, let me just grab your number. I'll get you the picks. Cause I already have been rejected so many times that I knew that line wasn't going to work. So what I did, I was, I feel like I was just being genuine. I was like, look, we need balloons, trash bags, and water. Like Malik, let me grab your number. And like, if you need anything else, text me. Boom. Got it. I knew it. I was like, all right, sick. I'm one step closer to being like full on. I already had Tiz's number. Now I got Malik's number. I needed Cisco's, which I got later. So now I'm like, I'm tapped in with the right people. We go grab all the stuff. We're putting up the balloons. We're putting up everything in the house. Equipment, I was just trying to help out as much as I could because I already took all the photos earlier that I already edited and turned around to Tiz. And he just posted it like two hours later. So that was like, boom. So then it's like 5.30 now. Mosey comes in. He's turned 19, right? He parks the brand new 2019 Lamborghini Urus or whatever it's called in the driveway. Midget is his like boy's nickname. And he was there. So they walk in. Mosey claps me up. We were taking a nap. So I get woken up to Mosey clapping me up and being like, hey, man, really love your photos. Like Tiz showed me what they were. Um, I'm excited to see what you get tonight. And like my mind, dude, you want to talk about like full circle was that was the most full circle moment I think I've ever had because I was just thinking back to how blessed I was with the opportunities of tapping into Noto the first time through Weston down through Nico to meet Tiz to get me to where I am now. So we do that. The party's going on, whatever. I'll fast forward it. Then Mosey like pulls me into the rooms. I go, come here. I was like, sure. What do you need? You know, he's like, all right, like a 1030 chippy reds coming. I need you to get some ill pictures of me, grab me wherever I am. And like, let's get photos. Let's get locked in. So I'm like, all right, like I'm freaking out now. Like I know Trippy Red, like my friend Gavin loves Trippy Red, right? So I'm like, all right, like this is big. Mosey's big, Trippy's big. So I was like, okay, I got to crush it. So Trippy Red comes in, same Lamborghini Urus, just all blacked out. I mean, his entourage was absolutely insane. And they walk in the front door and I beeline it for Mosey. I grab Mosey. He's like, all right, yeah, bro. Like I'll be over there for sure. So we get over there, take the photos. And then I drive back to Naples that night. Like obviously party was there. People, other people were there too. Davo and somebody else was signed like T-Pain's label. So that was pretty cool. But then I go home that night and I was just like in my bed, like just laying down and just looking up and I was like, dude, what did you just do? You know what I mean? And then obviously I posted on Instagram and everybody at the hometown for Motion City was like, oh, like, congrats. Like, I know you would make it, you know, and I like felt awesome. I was like, thank you so much, everybody. But to think I was going to fly home for that girl and then completely like miss an opportunity that again was self-made for me, it was like lesson learned is do you and work first, but you never know what that next opportunity is going to come from. That's a, that's a wild story though. Get him, get him waking up to Lil Mosey saying, Hey man, what's up? I love your photos. That has to be one of the, one of the a crazy yeah. experience. Yeah. I mean, I did have the camera next to me and I don't say that to people would be like, Oh really? But like Tiz is a real one. And he had this thing where he'd say like, I got to give you your flowers. So he'd give you like your appreciation. And he was like, you know, you came all the way over here, didn't get paid just to do it, like to hustle and put on for Philly because that's where we were from. And I was like, yeah, man, like I knew you were genuine the first day. Like you took a chance on me more than anything. You know, I didn't want to let you down. He was like, yeah, you know, like we're rocking now, like your family and we mean that. It was just the coolest moment to be like, you know, finally, like you're in the right place doing the right thing. And thank you to Matt for coming onto the podcast. Had such a great time 
talking with him. Make sure to check out his Instagram, at MattDEdits. I have a link to that down in the description. Scroll back a little bit on his feed. Check out some of those really cool pictures from the birthday party of Lil Mosey with Trippy Red, and also some of his other really cool concert photographs. Highly, highly recommend it. And I'll also wrap up this episode of How the Story Goes. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms. We're almost everywhere. Going to be on Apple really, really soon. And also, there will be no episode next week, but the show will be back soon enough. Don't you worry. Stay tuned for more updates on my social media and the show's social media. Links to that down below as well. I'm Jackson Neal. Till next time.